0: Scripture reading for today is found in Proverbs, the first chapter, verse 1 through 7, the third chapter, verse 1 through 8, the eighth chapter, verse 1 through 4, then 10 through 16. It's printed in the bulletin if you'd like to follow along. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right. And just and fair for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, do not forget my teaching. But keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? At the highest point along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gate leading into the city, at the entrance she cries aloud, To you, O people, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. Choose my instruction instead of silver. Knowledge. Knowledge. Rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight, I have power. By me, kings reign, and rulers issue decrees that are just. By me, princes govern, and nobles, all who rule on earth.
1: Today we're starting a new teaching series on the book of Proverbs, which is an incredibly helpful source of practical wisdom in all different areas of life, It's located right in the middle of your Bible. If you have uh, not studied this before, if you're not very familiar with this book, uh, this is just wonderful, and I'm looking forward to it. The book actually starts off with an introductory section, chapters 1 through 9, that kind of give this exposition of the value of wisdom. Why do we even want wisdom? Why should we read the book Proverbs. And so today we're looking at a few short selections from that prologue, from that introduction, just to kick off our study of this great book. So let me say a word of prayer before we continue. God, we need you in every way imaginable. We need you to be upon our minds, upon our hearts, upon our souls, even upon our bodies, because you make us whole beings. And we pray that you would give us alertness, attentiveness, humility, a willingness to listen, a willingness to change and to grow. And so we're asking for your Spirit to come down and to make your words here come alive, and that you would bless this time, all for your glory and all for our good. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Henry Ford, the great automaker, innovator, of course had set up a number of large factories producing his wonderful Model T. And one day the generators in one of his Ford factories ground to a halt and the local repairman couldn't figure out what the problem was. So Ford called the very man who designed and installed those generators in the first place, and that was the famous electrical genius, evidently, a man by the name of Charlie Steinmetz. And as the story goes, Steinmetz tinkered with the machines for a few hours and then through the switch, and voila, the generators lit up and started humming again, word to life, which was great, except Ford was astonished when he got a bill from Steinmetz for over $10,000, far more than he thought that brief work was worth. Flabbergasted and surprised, the apparently rather tight fisted car maker asked why the bill was so high, and Steinmetz replied, wrote back, with a sort of itemized invoice by way of explanation. For tinkering with the generators, $10. For knowing where to tinker, $9,990. <laughs> of course, Ford paid the bill. You know, sometimes when the proverbial factories of life start to shut down and maybe you're facing challenges today or questions or big decisions, sometimes we feel like we know that we're able to handle the situation. But what we don't always realize is for all the smart you have or all the experience you might have in life, for all the education you have or don't have or the knowledge you might possess or the good common sense and good judgment, for all the sincerity of faith, that sometimes the critical thing that you're missing, to get the switch flipped back on and the generators humming all over again, sometimes the critical thing we are missing is knowing not what, but where and when. And how to tinker with the stuff of life. In other words, that's an issue of wisdom. Wisdom. I don't know what exactly you're going through in life today. But I do know this, that a lot of us don't think that God has anything to say about most things in life. You know, it's sort of the view that God cares about so-called spiritual things, what happens in church, or maybe what I say to Him when I pray, or maybe moral things, uh, things that are good or bad or right or wrong in nature, but He certainly doesn't seem relevant to the details of my life. What I do when I get up in the morning, what I decide to eat, how I get to work, how I conduct my work if you work out of the home, how you live in relation to family and neighbor, all these different things, it seems to many of us that the Bible has little to say to us. And so we end up with this split life, pursuing God in the so-called spiritual and yet ignoring Him in the so-called secular. Or others of us are facing challenges right now where you're looking for answers Maybe you have a big decision before you, maybe a critical juncture in life. Maybe you're about to step into a new phase of life, a new child, a new job, a new apartment, or just a new sense of, hey, this is a different chapter of who I am. And maybe your approach has been, God, can you just please already tell me what to do? Have you prayed that recently? God, just tell me what to do. Give me the blueprint. Give me the answer. And what we're looking for is a formula when in reality, the way that God works in a vast, massive chunk of life is to offer us, if we'll take it, wisdom. Wisdom. To offer us wisdom to apply to each specific situation, to figure it out in real time, to use our minds as well as our faith and good judgment. To not see God as just distant or a God that's tucked away or packed away only for Sunday mornings, but to actually start to see a God who has offered and who has given indeed guidance and direction and hope for every detail of life. This is the issue of wisdom. What our passage gives us, first of all, is what we might call the uniqueness of wisdom. The unique value that wisdom offers to us that we too often neglect. You might have noticed in Proverbs 8, verses 10 and 11, in the second part of our reading, this passage, this paragraph where wisdom is sort of depicted as a person talking inviting us to receive her instruction, insight, knowledge. And here it says in verse 10, Choose my instruction instead of what? Silver. Knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you can desire can compare with her. Wisdom is more valuable Than all the riches in the world? Really? More precious than silver or gold? Or a hefty 401k? Could it be? The passage here seems to be suggesting that the answer is yes. Because you can have all the riches in the world. You can have power and fame. You can possess gifts and abilities And beauty, you can have the best educational pedigree in the world, you can have all of this and have no clue when it comes to handling the specific life challenges that are in front of you today. We tend to think that what we need more of are gifts or time or abilities, or smarts, or another book, or another class, and all those things are good. But do we understand, look, wisdom isn't the same thing as knowledge, or intelligence, or even moral goodness. You can be smart and moral, and you can still be a fool. You can still make a mess out of life, out of your relationships, out of your neighborhood, out of your work. As Walker Percy once put it, you can get all A's and still flunk life. We know that, don't we? Wisdom isn't the same thing as moral goodness, either. You know, think about it. You you can know that you ought to give yourself in love towards your neighbor. And on some level, all of us know that. You can even be committed to loving your neighbor, to sharing your life with them, to giving joy to them as a gift, to encouraging them when you want to lift them up. And you can even commit yourself to doing so with the best of intentions, genuinely, sincerely desiring their good, And you can still not love your neighbor. Did you know that? Listen to Proverbs 27, verse 14. Not in your reading. If anyone blesses their neighbor with a loud voice early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. (laughs) Because, dear friend... Do not tell me how much you love me calling me up on my phone at four in the morning. (laughs) You see, because timing, timing even of genuine love, committed love, sincere love, knowledgeable love, timing really does matter. And sometimes timing is a matter of wisdom. You're not going to find this. Don't shout loudly with lots of laughter too early in the morning. Listed in the Ten Commandments, it's implied there, but it's not specifically spelled out. But as one commentator has put it, if we have love, but not wisdom, we will harm people with the best of intentions. If we have courage, but not wisdom, we will blunder boldly. If we have truth but not wisdom, we will make the gospel ugly to other people. If we have technology but not wisdom, we will use the best communications ever invented to broadcast stupidity. Besides, moral rules and spiritual commands all by themselves, naked rules, do not address most situations in life. To flourish in life, we need the ability to apply these things in the trenches. Who do I marry? Who should I spend my money on? And how much and when? Where should I live? What kind of work should I apply apply myself to? How should I relate to my neighbors? Wisdom addresses life down at the level where there aren't always hard and fast rules to follow. Well, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves because I haven't even really defined wisdom for you. I think we're doing that in process. But wisdom is not only unique, but it's a gift. And what kind of gift? Let's try to define it together. Not just the uniqueness of wisdom, but here the definition of wisdom. Proverbs 1 and the first couple of verses of that chapter as we see in our reading there introduces the book to us and tells us the purpose of these proverbs. What are they given for? Well, let me read it again. For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple. Knowledge and discretion to the young and again in chapter eight verse twelve and on we hear all these different words that are used as synonyms, similar words to wisdom that help us to understand what that word means. verse twelve of chapter eight I wisdom dwell together with prudence I possess knowledge and discretion, counsel and sound judgment are mine I have insight I have Power. You see, there are words that help us to understand what wisdom in words is. Words like instruction, which sometimes means discipline or or correction when we're straying off the path. Words like understanding or insight, which means finally being able to see things as they really are, unmasking falsehood and seeing things more clearly. Discretion, which is another word for shrewdness. An ability to plan well. Counsel. Sound judgment, which is just another way of saying the ability to tell the difference between two options. And to take the better one. Prudence, meaning the ability to stand back and carefully weigh a situation. To assess it and to evaluate it. Knowledge. You see, wisdom is the ability to see things as they really are. Wisdom is the ability to see the world in the way that it actually does work. It's not just advice telling you what to do. We'll get to that in a second. It's right seeing, it's understanding how the cogs of relationship work. If you say this sort of thing to a person, generally speaking, this is how they're going to react if you manage your finances in such and such a way, it could lead to prosperity or it could lead to destruction. If you try to run a company or a nation in such a way, you should have these qualities in place. Otherwise, you will bring the whole nation into turmoil. The way life works and works best, giving us an accurate perspective on things in the world. But not only is it an ability to see things as they are, it's the wisdom of the, having skill to apply these insights to real life. It's application of knowledge. It's not just being smart and having a big intellect. It's not just having a, a lot of knowledge. Wisdom is knowing how to apply it in a way that actually helps make life flourish a practical use of knowledge as Charles Spurgeon once put it the great British preacher wisdom is the right use of knowledge to know is not to be wise many men know a great deal and are all the greater fools for it there is no fool so great a fool as a knowing fool but to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom It's application. It's concrete life. We see this in Proverbs 1, verse 3, where these Proverbs are said to be for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair. It's not just what you carry upstairs here. It's how it flows out into everyday life. In fact, this very word, wisdom, in the ancient language is actually described as a skill in different places in the Old Testament. The very same word is used for the skill of a craftsman. In Exodus 35, the word translated wisdom is used for the skill of an artist, a designer, an architect. In Jeremiah 10, the skill and expertise of goldsmiths is described with this very same word. In Psalm 107, This word is used to describe the know-how of a sailor that's navigating storms and currents and winds. Wisdom is a skill, which is good news, which means we can grow in it, we can acquire it and increase in it, but it's a hands-on thing that connects to all of life. For example, just to throw out a couple to you wonderful, helpful things. Like one proverb in chapter 18, which reminds us that the tongue has the power of life and death. Doesn't it? The words that we share with each other can give a person life or it can kill them too. Or in chapter 11, for lack of guidance, a nation falls... But victory is won through many advisors. Good wisdom for leadership, whether of a nation, of a company, of a family, or of a little band of friends. Victory is won through many advisors. Get the counsel of many people around you. Better to be poor than a dishonest liar. Proverbs 19. A gossip betrays a confidence. So avoid anyone that talks too much. Proverbs 20. Discipline your children, and they will give you peace. They will bring you the delights you desire. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. A little bit of financial planning wisdom there for you. All of life touched by the grace of God through practical wisdom. Not just the what, but the how and the why and the when. And in all of life, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20 to 21 talks about wisdom again, sort of in the language of wisdom being a person. Wisdom is calling out in the public square. Uh, she, She is not in a religious service or a sanctuary or even in a university lecture hall, but she's on the streets, in the gates, in the square of the city at life's real intersections. And even this picture of wisdom being like a person, calling out, talking, sort of like an intimate relationship that's being offered to us, it's a wonderful thing to show us how helpful wisdom can be. Because God isn't just throwing naked principles at you, and He isn't just giving you an owner's manual to life. He's giving you something far more personal and alive and detailed in real time. Wisdom that works as if it's someone that's a companion in life right there next to you. You notice when you talk to these different companies and corporations, you buy a product, whether if it's a phone or maybe telephone service or a computer or a flat screen TV or whatever it is that you might have or want the different ways that we're given to communicate with that company right different sort of levels of closeness if you have a question well the worst thing is well they just tell you to go online and download the owner's manual you know where you're just kind of given a book to read and to figure out for yourself what the problem is why my phone won't turn on and turn off but as you get to know other companies, you see different groups doing a better job with customer service. So others don't just offer you the instruction manual that you can download off of their website, but they offer you a Q&A forum, a place where you can go where other people have asked questions and here you can get some responses. But you're still reading. It's a little bit better, but you still have to figure out their information for yourself. And so some companies go even one step further and they offer you a little bit of a chat room. They don't give you the live person quite yet, but they give you a place where you can go in and type out a conversation with the person where they can walk with you, talk with you, try to troubleshoot together with you. But it takes some time and it takes some work and it takes some misunderstandings to finally get to where you want to go. Then, of course, other companies give you a live voice. What we are all looking for. A customer service representative who will actually talk to you. A human being, and if you're lucky, one that's very nearby. (laughs) Talking through your issues and your questions and your problems and walking through them bit by bit and step by step and question by question. Yes, that didn't work. And no, that didn't work. And hey, can we try something else? And if you're really lucky, you'll get a company that'll actually send someone to your door. Like Dell computer, if you give them a lot of money. (laughs) Well, they'll just not pick up the phone and walk you through life's issues or your computer issues or your phone issues. They'll actually show up, give you a smile, talk to you, walk with you, care for you, fix you. No, your computer, your phone, whatever it might be. Because we all understand that is the height of guidance, isn't it? To have a person that is ready to work things out in real time. To talk as you go. To troubleshoot as you go. To be present as you go through life's challenges and questions. And so here you have in Proverbs 8 this wonderful picture of wisdom that's so almost alive that wisdom is depicted like a person. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? She cries aloud, Choose my instruction. It's like a personal counselor that's given to you. We want principles in life. We want an owner's manual. God wants to give us a person. And oh goodness, he did. He did. He gave us... A proverb that became a person in flesh. Years after these proverbs were written in Isaiah 11, we're told that one day the Messiah, the rescuer of the world, would come and the Spirit of the Lord would rest upon him, Isaiah 11. The Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And so it's not surprising when finally in the New Testament after Jesus Christ arrived on the scene, that he would present himself, introduce himself to the world in Matthew 12 as one not just who possesses wisdom, but one who is wisdom embodied himself saying the greatest of all wisdom was given through Solomon, as we have here in the Proverbs, and now one greater than Solomon is here. And the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 1, who describes Jesus, Jesus Christ, is the one who has become for us the wisdom of God. God doesn't give you an owner's manual. He gives you a person. He doesn't just give you answers or principles. He gives you His Son who walks with you and talks with you, who guides you and troubleshoots with you, who lays down His life for you, all of us, fools at heart, resistant to the wisdom of God, knowing nothing and claiming to know it all. This Jesus, the wisdom of God for you and me. Wisdom applied to all parts of life for our life and our salvation. And so final question, how do we get it? How do we get such wisdom in our lives? And we could talk, as this passage does in fact point us to, to talk about the importance of patience, that life is like a path And therefore, it's a journey. Wisdom doesn't come overnight. So what do you need to get wisdom? You need patience. You need perseverance. You need working it into your life again and again and again. You are not going to be an expert in wisdom by the time we end this series. We could also talk about the importance of community. Because wisdom can only be learned and practiced in relationship with other people. Most especially in relationship with the person of God himself. In Proverbs 3 verse 1 we saw this language of my son. So many parts of this book are written out as a father instructing his child. Because wisdom can only be learned through mentorship and mistakes hearing from someone that's walked before you, and wrestling with the limitations of our wisdom in community with other people, under parents, with mentors, teachers, peers, friends, talking it over, applying it, trying it, screwing it up, coming back again, giving it a shot, debriefing, doing it again and again over time, over a lifetime. Because you never get wisdom by yourself. The problem, of course, that the writer here points us to is that we tend to believe that we are wise in our own eyes. Proverbs 3, verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Which brings me to the main point of how you get this wisdom because it's the main theme of the whole book in this invitation to wisdom. How do you get it? It's what the proverbs, what the Bible calls the fear of the Lord. And we'll close with this. Proverbs chapter one, verse seven says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge of wisdom Proverbs 3 verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. The fear of the Lord isn't a matter of cringing before God with dread. It's not what the passage means here. It's talking about having an appropriate sense of awe that God is God, and I am not. And God has all wisdom, insights, and knowledge, and I do not. You see, the biggest impediment, the biggest barrier to being a wise person is not having not enough books. It's not a matter of not having enough education or knowledge or time or giftedness or smarts. It's not having enough humility. It's not having enough poverty of spirit and having far too much of this sense of don't worry about me, I've got it all figured out. Some of you, some of us are dying in life because we're a know-it-all in life. And you don't realize just how much help and input and insight and grace God is dying, literally, in His Son to give you, to make life flourish for you. The fear of the Lord is a sense that God knows more than me, sees more than me. In other words, the fear of the Lord is having the right kind of teachability. As C.S. Lewis puts it, wisdom leads through a valley, a valley called the valley of self-humiliation. In other words, it begins with saying, I will refuse to be wise in my own eyes. I will refuse to try to work out life according to my own smarts, but I will humbly come to God and say, I need you. And you're saying, what that's it? That I mean that's the big that's the big answer here. This is the big climax of the sermon that's ending in 60 seconds? Really, that's it? To say I've got no wisdom is the key to wisdom? Oh, will you hear the good news in that? Do you feel like a fool today? Do you feel lost today? Do you feel like you don't know which way to go in life? Which option to choose? Do you feel blind to being able to see life as it really is and how it operates in the way that it really does operate? Do you feel helpless like that? This is good news. How can you get wisdom? by simply starting by saying, I've got none. The good news of the simplicity of God's grace, where he doesn't say, you know, you want wisdom? Go kill a lion with your bare hands and find a pterodactyl egg and bring it back in three minutes. Which isn't far off from how some of you feel like you need to be living in order to get smart in life. You don't know how to raise your kids today? Tell God, I don't know how to do it. You don't know how to make your relationship work, whether if it's a family member broken for many years or if it's a new friend and neighbor down the street. Don't know how to relate to them. Tell God, I don't know how to do it. You don't know what job to take or the timing of a job? You don't know how to see life. Maybe you're wondering how to see the neighborhood. You've been here for a couple months, maybe a couple years. Maybe a long, long time. Things have been changing. You're not so sure you're happy about those changes. You want new eyes? Tell God you feel blind. It all starts there. The fear of the Lord. This is good news. Because when we do that... We're told God will give it to you. God will give you the wisdom that you need if you'll only dare ask. And for all sorts of parts of life, really, the the list is long. Topics covered in the book of Proverbs alone, not to mention all the other wisdom throughout Scripture, include dealing with alcohol, anger, expressing our emotions, how we use words, how to deal with bribes, business ethics, family relationships, fights and conflicts, friendship, neighborly relations, planning for the future, illness and health, leadership and authority, laziness and hard work, lies, listening to advice, prayer, pride, humility, protection of the socially vulnerable, gossip and slander or How to Handle Shame, Wealth and Poverty, Sexuality, Gender Relations, Family, National Security, and the list goes on and on. You need a little bit of wisdom? I do. For this and for more. We're going to knock off just a couple big, broad themes and topics week to week over the next couple of weeks. And Lord willing, we'll grow together in wisdom, not just individually, but as a community. But it all starts here. Jesus, I don't got none, but I do got you. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Let's pray. Let's pray. Jesus, we're looking to you, asking for more of wisdom which is really another way of asking for more of you. And we bring our poverty of heart and life to you. We're beggars for grace, beggars for wisdom. We're fools by nature. And so we thank you so much that you're so generous to give us exactly what we need and that you give it to us as a gift. It's how you always work. We praise you for you, the way you are and what you give. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.